BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. We're doing a solo today. I asked if you guys would rather hear a live podcast or a solo, and you said solo, which warms my heart. So we're doing that. And I'm working on getting some single guys for upcoming episodes because it seemed like that was a hit for you. So if you have any that you recommend, send them my way. I also wanted to remind everyone that we have a show coming up in D.C., January 28th. So if you haven't already gotten a ticket, go to wemetatacme.com slash tour and check it out. Okay. The first thing that we were going to talk about today is if it's possible to be too independent after being single for five years. I mean, I've actually heard about this a lot, but I don't think you're too independent necessarily, but it just... I think it makes it harder for you to like get a relationship into your life and be okay with the changes that happen when that happens. I remember I dated someone once who was had been single for a while before that and they were so obsessed with their space and it was really hard to like integrate our lives because they were so comfortable just going home and being alone and it was a little too independent for me. Like I'm not codependent by any means, but I just felt like there was a closed off space where there could have been an opening. So I think it's just really important to work on being open-minded if you have been single for a long time. I don't think it's a lost cause by any means. I just think that you have to be more open-minded to the possibility of making compromises for someone that could really be someone for you. And and by the way, you could be single for as long as you want. You could be single for the rest of your life. But if you're looking for a partner, I feel that you need to compromise on that a little bit. Speaking of compromise, someone asked what the difference between settling and compromising is. We talked about settling a lot this past week in the polls on Instagram. I think that settling is when you are clearly going with someone that is just not good enough for you and they they don't satisfy your your needs deep down, but you're with them because either they're nice to you or it's convenient or you're lonely, but they don't live up to the standard that you hold yourself to. Or for example, if you would be okay with your best friend being with someone who's like your partner, do you know what I mean? Then 
you're probably not settling. But if you would tell your best friend they're settling, if they were with someone like your partner, you're probably settling. I mean, that's a hard one because like we're all different and we all have different needs. But I would say if your needs aren't being met and you're kind of suppressing yourself and things that you really want for just a partner and comfort, then you're probably settling. But compromising, I think, is like, okay, my partner doesn't like to go to Broadway shows and I don't like to go to, let's say, indie bands. So every now and then I'll go to an indie band and every now and then he'll come to a Broadway show. I think that's compromising. I think compromising is saying like, okay, they don't like to go to engagement parties of someone they don't know, but I do. So like, we're going to compromise there. You know what I mean? Just finding things that work for you is not necessarily settling. It can be compromising, but there is a very fine line and it's really hard. I would say another example of compromising is like, they like to, let's say, take ski vacations and you like to take warm vacations. So you switch off or something. But I think settling might be, you know, going on the ski vacation and never doing the thing that you want to do just to make your partner happy. Because again, that's like lighting yourself on fire to keep someone else warm. And that is settling in, in so many ways. And someone asked if we could talk about bad timing to break up with someone. And if that's a thing, I think it's definitely a thing. I think like, God forbid, if one of their parents passed away or if they're going through a tragedy or something like that, it's not a good time to break up with them. I think that's just common sense. But I think a lot of people think like over the holidays is not a good time to break up because you don't want to feel lonely and things like that. And I understand that. But at the same time, I don't think it's fair to yourself to wait until like spring or summer to break up with someone just... So the weather is nice and you're feeling less lonely. I think the only person that ends up suffering is you. So yes, there are bad times to break up with people. And that might be when they're going through something or when you're not definitely sure and you might need to sort some things out. But I don't think it should be because you have upcoming plans or because of holidays or things like that. I think if you're hearing this and taking from it like, hmm this relationship isn't serving me anymore, or maybe you're just resonating with any of this. I think the sooner the better. I know it's really hard to say and it sucks, but you don't want to be in something for two, three years and wish that you had listened to your gut or listened to something, you know, listen to the signs and the feelings like when you first had them because they don't really go away and people just get more stuck in their ways and and more bigger versions of themselves as they get older, especially after age like 26. People really don't change that much. I think there are things that you can improve about people, but if there are certain things that you feel like are non-negotiables, doesn't matter what the timing is. You should definitely, you should break up because it'll make both of you happier in the end. Going back to your questions, someone said, Ex who I'm on good terms with and who had a new girlfriend removed me on social media. Why? I would say probably the girlfriend asked him to. If I were you, I'd be flattered. I feel like it just means that they probably have feelings for you and the girlfriend 
was jealous or threatened. And if it wasn't the girlfriend, then maybe they just need help moving on or help focusing on the girlfriend more. Either way, I would be flattered and nothing else. So I want to get into the questions. But first, I just want to tell you something that I've been doing. I struggle with getting the right amount of nutrients because I'm not a big veggie eater, except I do love cauliflower. But it's hard to just like eat celery and all these things that are really good for you. So what I do to supplement that is I take Ritual, which is an amazing vitamin that you can subscribe to, which is really, really helpful. And it's for women only. Sorry, guys. And it's for basically people like me who don't get all of my nutrients from food. There's nothing shady added. And it's it's like a multivitamin that you really should check out. It's got a really cool minty aftertaste. So you don't have like gross probiotic, weird vitamin breath, you know? And it's a no nausea capsule. So you can take it whether you've eaten or not on an empty stomach. It's totally fine. And it's vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, you know, et cetera, et cetera, for all those crazies out there. And again, it's a subscription. So it's just a dollar a day and it's delivered every month. Really no strings attached. I'm a big fan of Ritual. And I also wanted to let you know that Ritual is the essential for women. I actually have it with me right here. And it fills the gaps in a woman's diet because like we're women and we're strong and we need all the things that will keep us strong because like women power, obviously. I mentioned before, there's no fishy aftertaste. It's like all the omega-3s that you need and more. And it's easily delivered to you. So you can also like snooze it if you're going away for the month or whatever. And it's all of the essential nutrients that your body needs. So be kind to your body and check Ritual out. So I'm offering you 10% off during your first three months by going to ritual.com slash acme and getting started today. So it's just ritual.com slash acme and you get 10% off during your first three months. So I would check it out. Hi, I'm Heather McMahon. I'm an actress, comedian, living at home with my mother. On the Absolutely Not podcast, we'll laugh, we'll cry, we'll probably prank phone call our ex-boyfriends because honestly, they were the worst. The thing that makes our podcast different is I get to hear directly from you. You can always pick up the phone and catch us on the Absolutely Not line. Don't forget to subscribe, rate us, and leave a message, but of course, only if it's a nice one. Tune in to the Absolutely Not podcast, and I'll see you soon. Someone asked, is there any good way to reach out to a former flame if you're hoping to rekindle? Hmm. It depends on why it ended. I think we want to rekindle things all the time for various reasons. Maybe we're lonely. Maybe it's cold. But if they ended it with you, I would not reach out. If you ended it with them, I'd be like, hey, listen, I have to be true to myself. I've been thinking about you a lot. Maybe we can grab a drink, see if there's something there. I don't know. You know, Maybe bring up a joke. Try to do something lighthearted and not so serious. Someone said when to reach out to an ex if you still feel like you need to see them after a breakup. Mm, That's so hard because if you broke up with them, you really want to leave them alone so they can heal and you both can move on. But if they broke up with you, then 
reaching out to them could come off as desperate. So it's kind of a lose-lose there. I would say try to talk to someone first who's a neutral party and see if that's really even a good idea. And you might find that it's not. But if you still think it is, then reach out and be like, hey, I feel like we still have some stuff to talk about. It would make me feel more comfortable about our situation. Do you have a few minutes to grab a drink or some coffee? Probably some coffee because a drink could lead to things that you might regret. And that would not be good. You know your partner isn't the one, but they're struggling with mental health. Put yourself first or stay and help. Um, That's a tough one, I think. So this question is coming from a girl. I'm assuming she's talking about a guy. I think that our society really doesn't allow men to have these feelings and be depressed and deal with mental health struggles. So I think leaving might just increase that stigma and that notion that, you know, it's bad for them to have emotions. I think this goes with what we were talking about with bad timing for breakup. This is really hard. Like if it were reverse and you were dealing with mental health issues and a guy broke up with you, I feel like it would be really painful. So if you care about them as a friend, I would try to help them with the mental health stuff or at least make sure that they're on track to getting help before you walk away. Just because like mental health is a really serious issue and you don't want to make anything worse for anyone. It's also not, it's not your responsibility, but I personally would feel like I have to do something of service to be, you know, helpful before I walk away. But maybe that's just me. How do I get over the first date hump? I've been on so many dates, but nothing further. I think you know, try to do something different. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. I would think about all of your dates and think like, oh, am I asking questions? Am I acting interested? Am I smiling? Am I like, how do I actually feel about this person? Or do I just want the second date with them? I think it's so important. And my therapist tells me this all the time to think about how you feel instead of just giving someone else all the power. Like, oh, I hope they like me or I hope this or I hope that. Like, how did you feel about the first date? Did you want a second date? Were you putting that energy out there? I think all of that is really important. Someone says, guy broke up with his girlfriend a month ago and isn't ready to jump into anything. True or uninterested? It sounds pretty true. I think this might be a timing issue. Like if it were the right time, maybe it would work out in your favor, but it sounds like They have some healing to do. So I would try to let them do some healing. I mean, I think there might be some unfinished business there with the girlfriend. How do you know when someone's the one? Um, You don't, which is the craziest thing, which I think you just like have to live with. Like you really don't. And anyone who says they know for sure is a liar. You might always be unsure. You might always have to live in that unsureness. I think if the good outweighs the bad and if you're happy and willing and that person feels like home to you and you can see yourself starting a family with that person, then maybe they are quote unquote the one. But I don't think there is one person for everyone. I think you can make it work with probably more than one person. So I wouldn't stay if you don't think someone is, if that makes any sense. Dating someone you went to high school with and just started dating a decade later, skip the steps. It depends how well you know them. Like if you feel like you know them really well and you feel comfortable to get right into it, then get right into it. It's really up to you. If you want to have that traditional relationship, 
then don't skip the steps. Again, it like I have to know more background on how close you are or were. Do you take back partner of one year after attempting to cheat but never actually did? No, I wouldn't. I think that's the worst of all is that they tried and they failed and that's why they came back to you. Like I would be offended as fuck and I'd be like, you are a fucking loser. Peace. How to encourage boyfriend of five years to propose both 30 and live together. Hmm. I think that they probably already know that you want them to propose, you live together. And I think that's naturally kind of the next step in a lot of ways. I mean, I'm not there yet, so it's hard for me to give advice or speak to this. But I would say a lot of my friends who wanted that and got that kind of started dropping hints. You know, some even asked for a timeline or sent rings to the person. I think there needs to be a level of communication. But if you're living together, you've been together for five years, you're both 30 and you haven't spoken about it, I think that might be a red flag or just mean that someone like you guys are complacent or maybe the guy is too comfortable. Someone asked how to handle different sex drives. That one's really, really hard. I think you just, it all comes down to communication if you're the one with the higher sex drive and you feel like your partner is not, I think you need to be honest and be like, hey, listen, I, I really want you to meet me somewhere in the middle. I don't want you to have sex when you don't want to have sex, but sex is something that's really important to me. And let's say you're having sex once a week. You can be like, it would mean a lot if we can at least try to have it twice a week. And if it's the other way around and they want to have sex all the time and you don't, then you could be like, listen, I don't get as horny as you. I'm not always in the mood to have sex. And I would appreciate it if we had a little less sex, you know? Like, I think the right person will not take that as a deal breaker in the relationship, but that's a perfect example of compromise. Your significant other is a big personality and you struggle to get a word in when it's you and them in a group. This is funny because I feel like this is me a lot of the time. Um you have to be okay with letting your partner shine and they have to let you shine in return. But if they're not ever letting you shine, then that could be a personality clash. And I think that's something that you should address. And then, you know, you should be like, listen, I feel like invisible sometimes when we're in a group setting and maybe that's me and maybe, you know, I'm just imagining it. But I would love if like you included me more or let me get a word in more because I feel like I have a lot to say and I feel like that would make me really happy. You know, like, again, we have to just communicate our needs. Like, no one can read our minds. Is it normal for a best friend's boyfriend to text you excessively slash almost every day, but not flirty? Um, No, probably not. It depends. Like, if you're in college and you're all friends, I feel like that's more normal. But as we get older, it's less normal to do that. I actually have a friend's boyfriend. We send each other memes a lot, but it's like extremely harmless and we just love the same weird, bizarre memes. But that's as close as I can get to a situation like that. If someone were texting me every day, all day, that were my friend's boyfriend, I would be a little skeptical. I don't think that's 100% normal, but I can ask. I will definitely do a poll question on that. More than a month of dating, made out a few times, and she doesn't want to label it. Why? 
Maybe because you haven't had sex yet and she wants to make sure the sex is good. Maybe because she's not ready. Maybe because she's still seeing other people. There's all different reasons, but I would say be patient. It's just been a month. Is height difference between a significant other a big deal? I personally like a significant other who is taller than I am, but that's because I'm 5'7 and it's harder for me to date someone under six feet because I can't wear heels. I have a lot of friends who are dating guys who they're taller than, especially in heels, and it's not a big deal. It's just about your prerogative. How do you tell someone you hate their significant other? You can't. You have to let them figure it out for themselves. It's really not a fair thing to say. I don't think anyone wants to hear that, you know? How can you tell when your friends don't like your partner but are not saying that? That's funny. That's a really great question. I mean, if you've been in more than one relationship, you know that every time you break up, the friends are like, well, I hated them anyway. And it's like, you did? Why the fuck didn't you tell me that? (laughs) I think unless they go out of their way to tell you that they like your partner, like when you don't ask or just like, I don't know, randomly, then they probably don't like them. You know what I mean? I feel like I'm in the first relationship where people have gone out of their way to tell me they like my partner. Whereas in other relationships, I had to be like, so did you like him? Which looking back is obvious that no one did. How to deal with knowing that your boyfriend's mom loves his ex and still actively likes all their Instagrams. I mean, you can't control your boyfriend's mom And they probably do love the ex and maybe, I don't know why they broke up, but maybe they know that their son fucked up or something, but their mom isn't their son. And that's not something you can control. You can only control how you react to it. So you kind of have to accept it and just be like, just try to move past it because you're with them and the ex is not. When should you start having sleepovers since you say not to at first? I would say like once you start having sex, like six, seven, eight dates in. I think my boyfriend and I had our first sleepover the night that we had sex for the first time, but it's very possible that I kicked him out that night. I don't remember. But I think once you start being intimate, you can have the sleepover, which is intimate as well. By the way, I just want to let you guys know, like I am figuring it out too. Like I'm not the end all be all. This is just from my experience. And There were definitely some reviews that were like, she thinks she knows it all. And I don't. I literally do not. I'm just sharing what I've learned thus far in life. Is it stupid to wait for them to say I love you first, even though you're feeling it? This is totally based on your personality. I have friends that said I love you to guys first, and it was totally fine and it worked out. I've never done it because I have too much pride and I'm too scared and scarred from things in my past. So I would never say I love you first. I'm also Virgo Venus and Virgo rising and Capricorn moon. All of this makes me very protective of my heart. I would not say I love you first, but should you? Yeah. Why not? If you feel comfortable doing that. How do you manage if your partner has an emotionally manipulative parent? That's very common. I think you need to just be aware of it and see if they're aware of it too in a way that doesn't make them reactive. And, you know, if this is your partner for life, you guys are going to move in a direction that's healthily a little bit away from your parents and start your own family. So as long as they don't rely on this parent too much, it can be okay. 
And as long as they're aware of this, like the scariest part of having a terrible mother-in-law or father-in-law is your partner not agreeing that they're terrible or not realizing or knowing. So if they're aware of it, that's management enough, you know? Please address and discuss the replies on settling. Yeah, I mean, we did this poll question about settling, as I mentioned before, and lots of people said lots of their friends have settled. And most of it was women settling. And it sucks to hear. I really hope that it's not the case, but I think it is a lot of the time. I think women do settle more than men because we don't have all the time in the world, unfortunately, to make up our minds. We can't be 40 and single, as we talked about in our last episode, if we want to have kids and if we haven't frozen our eggs. So I think that pressure forces some women to settle, which is like the saddest thing in the world, honestly. And it sucks. And I think that's why there's such a divide between like women who are just with like really nice people who love them and then versus women who are with like shitty people who they love, if that makes any sense. You know, I feel like this divide is like people think you're either settling or the person doesn't like you. It's just so hard to be in a middle ground. And I don't really know how to speak on that. I think it sucks. But someone said very wisely, like everyone's settling in one way or another on something. So whether you're settling on like, I don't know, the Broadway show thing, or you're settling on maybe your partner doesn't like sports and you have to be okay with that. Maybe your partner doesn't let you listen to weird music in the car, whatever it is. Everyone's going to settle on something. Maybe your partner isn't as tall as you want them to be, but they're everything else. You know, like everyone's going to settle on something small. And it's also easy to say your friend is settling. I mean, we can all say a friend is settling because we love our friends and we think they deserve the world. But that doesn't necessarily mean we're right. We don't know what goes on in a relationship. We only know one side of it most of the time. So while it might seem like your friend is settling, maybe your friend is a fucking nightmare and the guy is actually the one settling or I don't know. It's totally subjective. But someone actually wrote in and they were like, my friend's a lesbian and she says like lesbians never settle. And I would love to hear more about that because that sounds pretty amazing. Is there such thing as too much sex in a relationship? Like, is it a red flag? I think if sex is the focus of the relationship, yeah, it's definitely a red flag. But if it's just an added thing and it's good, then no, it's not a red flag. Your top dating rules that you reference sometimes. There's so many. I mean, just don't have more than two drinks on a first date. I personally just don't like sloppiness and I've done that and it's not gone well. I usually say don't go home with them on a first date or second or third. When you're texting, always ask a question back. Like, don't just answer and then assume the conversation is going to continue. Ask a lot of questions on a date. Smile. Be energetic. Bring good vibes and good energy. If you're not feeling like you can do that, cancel the date. Reschedule the date because no one likes a downer. And like, love yourself before you go on any dates. And don't take it too seriously. You got to be lighthearted about this stuff. Like, you have to. How do you meet people as a middle-aged person? Get on the apps. Everyone's on there. Or the dating websites. Go out. Go to a bar. Go to a networking event. Can an emotionally manipulative relationship evolve into a healthy one? Yeah, maybe when you're not in it. Like maybe when you leave and they work on themselves. But I feel like if you continue to stay, as easy as it is to say and as hard as it is to do, they probably 
won't change. How to talk to a friend about how your friendship has changed since dating significant other. Um, I don't really think you need to. I think that's probably obvious and friendships will change and that's inevitable and we all end up in pair and, you know, it's great to have friendships, but as we get older, they should require less and less effort. And if you feel like you need to sit down and lecture your friend about how your friendship has changed because they have a partner, that just comes off really not good and kind of jealous, honestly. Just being honest. Can you tell us your parents' love story? I think you've referenced that they have a great marriage before. Yes, I totally will. That's so cute. Um, We'll end with this one. Basically, my dad was living in D.C., and he was working on the the Hill. He was like really into politics. And my mom was visiting her friend in DC. And I think my dad lived with my mom's friend that she was visiting. He lived with a girl. I know that sounds red flaggy, but apparently it worked and they never had a romantic relationship. And he saw my mom and he was obsessed with her. And actually... My mom was sitting there reading the New York Times and he was so impressed and he thought she was so smart and interesting. But she probably was doing that because there were no cell phones back then. And he asked for her number and he actually asked her where she went to college and she said Hartford in Connecticut, but he thought she said Harvard. So he was like even more enthralled. Anyway, that truth obviously came out, but he was still interested He pursued her for a while. She went out with him, but she thought he was like conceited and just like full of himself in so many ways. And I think he was 23. She was 22 or 24. Oh, no, no, 23, 22. And so, or maybe 21 and 22. But anyway, he was like a child and he wasn't the person that he is today. And I think she was like, oh, no, no, like this is not working. They actually broke up and got back together a few different times before realizing that they were the one for each other and that it could work. And like they would break up and then they would be so sad and like want each other and need each other back. And I remember my dad told me this one story about how he went to like a wedding when they were broken up. And he was looking around and he was thinking about how my mom is so much more amazing than everyone at this wedding. And my mom was living with her parents at the time because that was like more of a common thing back then. And my dad, after five years of going, you know, being on and off, my dad proposed or wanted to propose. And my mom was like, well, you're like, we have to live together first. You have to move in with my family. (laughs) I mean, can you imagine you live with your parents and then your partner moves in with you and your parents? But somehow my dad survived it. It was perfect for him because like they didn't have any money and he was in law school and like he wasn't about to pay for an apartment anyway. It worked out. And then he proposed to her on a horse and buggy. Like the New York Times was always his thing. So he was like, can we pick up the New York Times? And she was like, no, that's so annoying. And he was like, please. And she was like, fine. So they picked up the New York Times and in the New York Times it said... I love you. Will you marry me? And the rest is history. And they're really, really happy. And it's really annoying because it puts so much pressure on me to like have the perfect relationship. But I'm so happy for them. And um, they're the cutest. And so that's all I got for you. I want to thank everyone for listening. I also want to let you guys know if you want a little bit more of a solo episode, we have 
one up on our Patreon right now. If you go to patreon.com slash we met at Acme, you'll see that other solo episode that I recorded for you. And um, I hope you enjoyed this. And I hope everyone has a great day or night or weekend. And I love you guys. Sorry for all the ands. That was really annoying. Write us a review. Let us know what you think. I always say us, but it's really just me. Well, and my producer, Brian. Hey, Brian. Okay, that's all we got. That's all she wrote. Thank you, guys. <laughs>